<laughs> He's gonna kill us, bro. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, get brighter soon, bro. Yeah, man. Uh, much respect for you to uh, sit this one out. Obviously, we we prefer to have you here, but you know, take care of yourself before you uh, uh, come back and travel. Like you just got done traveling, now you about to come back and travel again. Like ah, oh, man. Yeah, man. Imagine. Take it easy. <clears throat> did you listen to that new scissor? I did. So I have some thoughts. Um, I don't care if you care to kick it off, but I mean, it's good. It's, it's solid. Ooh, just solid. In my opinion. Too long. It was like 23 records. All the songs yeah. are still good, but I am a fan of short, concise albums, and I wasn't too happy going through all these songs. Just I was like, all right, like some songs feel repetitive. Some I could have gone without hearing. Maybe that's just the nature of the beast these days with, with how I consume albums. Like 20 songs just might be too long, but yeah. It's good. There's, I, I, I am happy that she took a, a, a different path. This was clearly like a, a, a scorned woman giving her opinions yeah, on how she's felt recently. I thought it was pretty cool. Um, it is one of my favorite listens of the year so far. Uh, I can't really think of another one that... I don't want to say that nothing else could top it, but in my opinion... With the recency bias, it is up there, like that number one spot, like it's right there. I thought it was really good. If you listen to every single episode of this podcast, you know how like I haven't been a fan, but it is up there with Lacey's album with yeah, her loss, her loss, and like the, the Metro Boomin. Yeah, like the, like the A A plus albums for me. Um, I thought it was cool that she was a bit more versatile in the actual music this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, she pulled off like contemporary R&B and then she gave you a rap record or two and then like kind of a country record. Like it wasn't really a country record, yeah. but she gave us a pop record, an alt rock record. Like yeah. she gave us a little bit of everything. I thought it was dope. Yeah. So she, she, she was versatile. Um, I'll give her that. She definitely expanded to like what? Rapping would sound like under her, kind of like what Rihanna's done. Yeah. So that was cool. Like on the intro, she she killed that. On the outro, I think she smoked him. The the uh, the od the odb smoked him. Okay. Okay. So the hymn that he's referring to to the, to the fans that listen to the album, SZA used the the sample of the last half of Drake's Champagne Poetry, and Cam was uh, as you can tell under the belief that she washed him on that. I'm not disagreeing. I'm just saying. If, if we're just including beat versus beat, yeah, I'll give the edge to SZA. She went harder on that. But song versus song, uh, I don't know. SZA's immensely talented. I don't know if it's the, the five-year wait, worth the five-year wait. But, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to tear it down. This, this, this was good music. So I think it was worth the wait. I mean, I would prefer to not have to wait five years in between albums for anybody. Because um, I don't think Kendrick's album was worth the five-year wait. And as one of the biggest listeners of Kendrick, I, I just, it wasn't worth it. So, um, but I did enjoy it and I do have to come away that it's not better than Control. Yeah, I agree with that. It's not better than Control. I was listening. Do you know who Sean C is? Uh, no. He's like a YouTube music reviewer. He's like almost as popular as a Fantano. It's kind of like Fantano? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Prior to get, uh, doing this podcast, I would always listen to music reviews on YouTube just to hear other people's opinions because I just... I felt like I, before honestly hanging out with you, I would, compared to my other friends, I would dig deeper into reviews of rap music compared to my friends. So like I, yeah. I, I wouldn't ask their opinions. I would just look for a review. Yeah, because you knew they didn't dive as deep they as you They didn't appreciate it as, I, as it, yeah. I would. And uh, 
the what's the joint that she kind of sounds like uh uh olivia rodrigo on is it face to face is that the f to f yeah f to f yeah shot no. C <laughs> was like hey man get this iCarly intro off <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, that should have me fucking weak. So I, I guess I'll second that. But my favorite joints on that, the intro goes hard. Kill Bill. That's not a song for a guy to sing, but I, I just I, I like that vibe. What, Kill Bill? I might kill, kill my ex. Yeah. Uh, Lowe's good. The joint with Don Tolliver. Blind. Um, nobody gets me smoking on my X-Pack. The song with Travis Scott. And I think Forgiveless might be my... my uh, Favorite song that wasn't pre-released. Obviously, I hate you and Good Days already released. I Great really like songs. shirt. I had been waiting for shirt for a really shirt, long time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Shirt, shirt was one of, like one of the popular leaks. Yeah, so yeah, that song was hard. Yeah, I also think we have to maybe not yet. I'd have to see a little bit more work of it. But her and Travis together on records. This is a couple of them now. Love Galore might just be such a great song that whatever follow up can't match that. That level, yeah, that but, record but, is really good. But Travis Scott didn't come as correct as I thought he thought he would on this, and I thought he he sounded like he was going to be on low too. He had like a little, yeah, he did like the whole ad lib track. Uh, even with him just doing the ad lib track, I thought it was cool that yeah. he uh, maybe he wrote it. I mean, I haven't really looked too deep into the like credits of that particular song, but Let's see. Let me see. I wouldn't be surprised if he wrote it. Kind of left his own, kind of like the Migos did when they. Uh, ape shit on the Carters, where the Migos did it, but they just left their ad libs in the yeah. background of it. I don't see any any credit on my Apple Music given to Travis Scott. So. Gotcha, gotcha. But who knows? Who knows behind the scenes? <clears throat> yeah, who knows what happens? But yeah, I like that record. I think they make a good duo as far as putting music out. But apparently, she said this is the last one. So uh, this is the last time they're gonna. Oh no, the last album she's releasing. Oh really? Yeah. This is it? Yeah, she said this is the last album she released. And to be fair... Ever? Yeah, ever. But to be fair, she also said Control was the last album she was going to release. So who knows, but... That's sad. I mean, if you get in five years between projects, like maybe she's just not up to a lot of the politics behind all of this. Maybe. That's kind of how it feels to me. I remember... forget which year it was. It, it was... Maybe a year or two after Control, so 2019, that she sounded like she lost her voice pretty bad. Yeah. Like she was on tour and like maybe overstraining her voice. Because when, when you hear her sing, she overextends her her, vo- her vocal cords. Like she, she, she has a lot of depth. Nah, she goes up or above and beyond. Right. What I'm looking so for. It, maybe it's too much of a physical strain on her, which makes sense. That's why I think being a rapper or a musician generally it's one of the best professions in the world because if you have that freedom to make an album whenever you want when you want like who in life doesn't want the autonomy to work yeah exactly. when they feel like it so especially in a creative field too yeah. like yeah somewhere where you can just take your thoughts and experiences and then yeah. express them in that manner yeah you can go hard in the booth for like in the, or booth of the studio for like five or six months and then take three years off exactly like yo let me go do whatever i want to do yeah so i mean that's kind of sad to hear Hopefully she still makes a song or, or two every once in a while because I think she's just too important in R&B to just leave. Yeah, kind of like we were talking about. And we've had this conversation a couple times. That Control album is like a top five R&B album of last decade. Yeah, I mean, it's... If not the best. Yeah, at worst, it's fifth. 
but it's in that discussion. But it's one of the best albums of that of that decade, any genre period. Like it's yeah, of any you're right of any yeah. genre period. I'm yeah. trying to think if I had to name that five. I think I gotta say House of Balloons, Blonde, Control, Anti, and then that last one for me is kind of a toss up between Channel Orange and Black Messiah by D'Angelo. All those A list. A plus rappers or A plus, A plus R&B singers, so it's up there. I'm trying to look right now. A lot of people have their, they have their feelings about Trap Soul, and if you want to call it an R&B album, that's fine, and I think it is good, but while it did do a lot as far as revolutionizing sound, I don't think that it lives up to the other ones as far as uh, quality. Which one do you say is like definitively the best? Definitively the best of all five of those, I would probably say Control. Okay. I think there's merit to be given to Anti as the best. And then a lot of the other ones for me are just as good, but I feel like they're more impact-based than how I actually feel about the album themselves. Like, House of Balloons is a really good album, but also House of Balloons kind of sparked that dark, moody Mm R&B that is now super prevalent. Same Mm -hmm. thing with um, Trap Soul. Right, like I don't think Trap Soul is of the quality of any of those other albums that I just listed. But yeah. what it did as far as pushing the sound forward was huge, like yeah. influence-wise. And then kind of the same thing with Blonde. I would agree with that. I think the most creative album, and I mean, I, I don't want to act like I'm deep into some deep in the weeds of creativity more yeah. than anyone, anyone else. But I think Blonde stretched like how we, how what we think about R and B in terms of. He, you know, experimented with like pitch on Nikes. Yeah. Uh, you know, pretty much get two songs in one with Knights. Nice. Ivy with, I couldn't, I can't imagine what it was like talking to Beyonce and being like, "Hey, I'm gonna have this R&B song and I want you to sing backup for me." Yeah, like that's Th- crazy. That, that, that's nuts. And then having these interludes for with his mom talking about you know drug usage, so the, the the Facebook story. Yeah. Um, Andre three thousand is Andre, a feature again. Andre three thousand is a feature. Honestly, Andre 3000's verse on Solo Reprise is right. so like right, exactly. interesting that I don't even know how to like, how do you even do that? Like the flow is insane. The way that he kind of ties in everything as far as the usage of the word so low and like the phrase so low. And then he wraps it up at the end talking about his experiences as being like a really creative writer that did everything by himself and like now that's not really how did he work too hard did i work too hard oh man like yeah and i mean honestly if you make a 20 song album or this case 17 but three of those songs are knights pink and white ivy like and and self-control like that's that's that can't be a trash album so like he he just has too many quality songs and the rest were really good i think Future or Free was a really good good outro. So Frank Ocean just uh, operates in a different space. I'm obviously a huge big uh, huge Rihanna fan. Anti was amazing. It had everything you want from pop hits to 2016 was the year of the Patois Jamaican yeah. vibes. The influence kind of took yeah, over. Like, like that's when I'm it sure kind of by Drake. Yeah, that, that 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 crept into R and B rap music. Work was probably the biggest song of the year. I mean, Work was one of them. Rihanna also showed you that she can. You know she can she can sing too. So, oh, so, so there's been a handful of good R and B albums, and and it, it's good to see that that's still a it's still a, an appreciated genre of music, even though the genre overall has probably seen a decline from the late the 90s to 2000s, 2000s to 2010s to 20 to the 20s. Yeah, I feel like it's starting to 
incorporate so many other genres that I think it's kind of getting lost a little bit. And I think that kind of ties into what you were talking about as far as how music has been progressing. Um, for example, like indie and alt pop are now, you know, subsects well, of R and B. Yeah, right. Whereas, you know, previously it was just like, yo, this is standard R and B. And that's it. Right. Like, we didn't really get into the rock bag or the country bag or whatever it may be. And I think that's kind of what sets Anti apart as well. Kind of similar to what I was talking about with SZA's new album, where she just kind of experimented with a lot of different things. Rihanna did the same thing, where you got some, you know, uh, classic gold school R&B. And then you got 2016 contemporary R&B as well. You got records that she was rapping on. You got uh, the indie record, the cover of... Um, Tame Impala. Yeah, same old You got mistakes. Desperado. Like, there were so many different sounds that she experimented with on that album, but still managed to tie it in very comprehensively. It's good to see that there's still people that have that taste for it and that still kind of push it forward. Would you throw Beyonce's Lemonade in there? Are you a Beyonce guy? Oh, yeah. I like Beyonce's Lemonade. I, I like Lemonade as an album, for sure, but I don't like love it i understand why other people love it for sure like i don't want to ignore the quality of it but like i just don't cons- i don't see myself going back to lemonade to you know listen yeah. to it. like it wasn't made for me like yeah. i think no, that yeah. might be the best way to say it. yeah that, that i think that is just because quite frankly i'm not a black woman that's been wronged by another man like i so i can't and that's how i, how I felt listening to this like the scissor album even though i did share with you <laughs> today like scissor <laughs> makes music for the women that probably are the problem one thousand percent the problem zero accountability I I taken I, I i can't relate to what scissor's going through and how she lives her life nor can i relate to beyonce having to deal with you know her high profile relationship being put in the public yeah. and being wrong just for her to kind of, you know, sit back and do nothing. It's, it's, I'm super happy that women have these anthems just like men do. Like we, we all, we all enjoy a good future anthem. Nah, we all, have it. we enjoyed, you know, relationship Drake. or not, you got to throw some future on. So we, we enjoy Drake being extra misogynist on what it's time to be alive in her loss. So exactly. I mean, we're, 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 and, then, and then go back to your girl and be the little spoon. Yeah. So, uh, Beyonce, in my opinion, has always been the the dominant performer. Like she's for I think sure. She, I, she's the only person that can challenge Michael Jackson in terms of like, oh, you're seeing a superstar. Yeah. Like a no, plus. I agree with you 100. percent Every dime you spend to go see Beyonce retail is worth it. Speaking of, I don't know if you saw that, but I think like three hours ago she just announced a tour. Oh yeah, so like that's like. I saw Taylor Taylor Swift's numbers over the past couple weeks were insane. Like she is notches above Taylor Swift in my opinion in terms of like from what I've seen in concert like on YouTube better like yeah, that performance ability that is Netflix, like a completely different that net like that Netflix documentary that she had of uh that uh was it like Homecoming yeah it? Homecoming yeah that shit there's a insane. reason they went to her for that like, right right so like that's I think she you can make the argument that she might be better than Michael Jackson which which could be a hot take but yeah her music just doesn't move me to the extent it moves other people it's great like I I enjoyed I've enjoyed so many Beyonce songs, but... Um. No, I agree with you. I think Rihanna, like you said, um, moves me a little bit more, or I feel like I can relate a little bit more to her music, or I can put it on in more situations that I find myself in that aren't necessarily centered around women. Now, would you say this is like 
like, th- like, would you agree with that? Like, this is SZA's like attempt to be like kind of, kind of uh, toxic. I don't know. Talking to, but like, I feel like she tried to, but I felt like on a lot of songs she kind of called herself a loser. <laughs> like, yeah, like there was a lot of times in the music that she, I don't necessarily say she's a loser, like, but she kind of pitied herself a little bit mm-hmm. and she didn't really get into the oh i'm better than all like she did like on sos sos comes on and she's like yo i'm better than all of y'all i sing better than all of y'all my career is better than all of y'all i just did my body up i don't care that my body's fake anymore like i was like all right cool she's talking her shit and then the next song was like yeah i'm gonna go kill my ex because like he found a new girl <laughs> yeah she goes back and forth because then she's kind of like that she's she's arrogant again on low at least the first like yeah minute or so. No, she so. was talking. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I think this is if she's going to change direction, this was a good area for her to explore because I mean, she's she looks different. She's, you know, feeling different after all this commercial success. Yeah. So I'm sure she has a level of confidence that she probably never like felt before. Like on control, she was talking about how she wish she wished she was a normal girl, how yeah. I mean, the interlude of her grandma Even- just talking like how she's just, you know, misbehaving she's stupid for you know you know for previous relationship experiences yeah. so or I, even I, like supermodel is full of like yeah. oh you left me for someone you find more attractive right like, i wish someone cherished me yeah, yeah exactly yeah. right so i don't know i mean it was refreshing to hear i think this was this was good i'm honestly just happy the last what three months in rap have been you know, we've been spoiled from from Nav to Drake to to. <laughs> throw, you gonna find a way to throw Nav in these conversations, man. Yeah, man. It, things are looking bleak, man. Like the the, the first six months of this year, man, n- nothing was hitting for me. No, I was really concerned about music as a whole. I was like, man, it just isn't. Not concerned, but like it just it's it's tough when the heavy hitters aren't actually. They're not doing their job. They're exactly. not pulling our way. Like, yeah. I always expect we're going to get at least two heavy hitters a year, right? And when we get those two heavy hitters, like those are going to be the marquee albums that ride throughout the entire year. Yeah. And we got Honestly Nevermind, and it just it just didn't do that. And granted, he came back with her loss and redeemed all of that. I don't want to take that away. But there just was, aside from uh, Steve Lacey, there just wasn't that album in the first six months of the year that I was like, oh, this is incredible. Yeah, like, what defines 2022? And people are going to say, like, like I know like, we have a good friend that's like, what about Larry June? What about, you know, um, what about Vince Staples? It's like, they're good, but, like, neither of those albums would define this calendar. Yeah. Year. Like, it, when, when you think back three years from now, who dropped in 2022, what dropped? Like, what were we, what, were, what was on repeat? repeat? You're not going to think of. Larry tried. June and Vince Staples. No, I agree. Larry June was number two in my rap. So, like, I listened to so much of Larry June. But, again, like you said, it's not going to go back and be defined as this was the album that took over the entirety of the year. If you had to say what that album is at this point, I guess, I don't think there's anything that high profile that'll come out in the next two weeks just because it's the fourth quarter and Christmas is happening. The industry kind of shuts down. Nah, yeah, this is... Like, SZA probably dropped as late as you would want, you know, a big artist to drop. Yeah. Many people aren't, most people aren't dissecting music or consuming music this late in the year. Did you see on Twitter that Mariah Carey got her thrown back with uh, All I Want for Christmas? All I Want for Christmas is You is Billboard number one every year. Like, she. Again? 
Yeah, like, I mean, then, I shouldn't be surprised. This but happens like, like every year, though. Like, there's one week in December where she like re- like gets yeah. back number one for a week. Do you think it's possible for her to not be number one at least one year in December? It would take like Taylor Swift or Adele dropping something massive. Yeah, and again, we just said like it's it's not in your best interest to drop th- this, this late. late in the year. Yeah, because um, I'm thinking. Because of how like stapled the song is in Christmas music, it's gonna be played in every radio uh, on every radio station in every store, and right. obviously on everyone's Christmas playlist as they have parties and do yeah. this, that, and the other. So it's not really possible to avoid playing it if you're gonna play Christmas music. But you think it's possible for someone else to maybe release like a Christmas song of that caliber? I- I don't know, man. I mean, has any has any? I'm sure there's an answer to this question, but off the, off the top of my head, I can't think of someone that big releasing a Christmas song recently. I can't think of a. Yeah, I agree with you. I can't think of anybody releasing a Christmas record that's like that. Like you, you hear different artists. Like Bryson Tiller has a Christmas album, but like, there's no way that a Bryson Tiller Christmas song is gonna ever get close. Not yeah. even in the same like stratosphere of a Mariah Carey. Uh, Christmas record. No, like that that, that Mar- Mariah Carey song is like etched in stone, like top three Christmas song ever. Wait, there's a Christmas song that's potentially higher. I mean, like off the top of my head, all I want from Christmas is you, Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer, and like I don't know. I mean, just look at, like if you looked up Christmas songs, depending on who, like. There's no way that it is unanimous. That she's number one. Like no, that is Mariah Carey. Ah, uh, uh, you know I what I mean. Know. I don't know how like, she's not number one. No, like she, she definitely like, at, at, like I'm saying, like Edson Stone at least like top three. That's her thing. And she, we kind of she, she very well might be number one. We canceled that one record, right? Which one? Wasn't the is it like the baby? It's cold outside, and Shorty's like, oh. Nah, I need to go home. Oh, and the old boy's like, Hell no! Nah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. crazy. The re- re- revisionist history says that that song is. We is, was is like, rapey. Nah, get that nigga out of here. Yeah, yeah, that was also one that was. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, let me look this up. Top Christmas songs of all time. I used to work retail when I was 19. Oh, Michael Buble, It's Beginning to Look a Lot Like Christmas. That's up there. It's Beginning to Look a Lot. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. That's up there. I, I will say Mariah Carey seems to have cornered the market in, like, this is the more, or I guess I wouldn't say corner the market, but, like, this is the most upbeat Christmas song. Yeah. It's kind of the one that you can put on and, like, dance to a little bit. A lot of Christmas songs are, like, very laid back, like Boy Cement, Let It Snow. Yeah, like it's like you put it on while you're decorating the house. Matt King Cole. Yeah, like. um, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Like that's not, you don't dance to that. Like Mariah Carey, I think of that song. I think of like the NBA on ABC. Like yeah, yeah like everyone. Exactly. And it's it resonates with each. Like it's an undeniable bop. You're right when you say that. Like there are some Christmas records that I think are made by some like. Are like black R and B legends that right. are, we know and we lock into every year, but they may be, yeah. you know, boys the men's like, yeah, boys the men's not getting uh, let it snow's not getting played in, in, yeah, it's in not Tuscaloosa, getting played at your corporate Christmas yeah. party, yeah, yeah. So, and honestly, like shout out to her for pairing a Christmas slash love song like that. I mean, it, it's a sentiment that we, we all can relate to. It's like, all right, like all I want for Christmas is to be with someone I care about. Yeah, nobody wants to be alone on the holidays. Yeah, so I mean. 
Shout out to Mariah Carey. Um, shout out to SZA. A big shout out to SZA. Honestly, I'm just happy that music has been has redeemed itself. I don't know what this means for 2023. Like, I don't know if Kendrick has dropped, if Beyonce has dropped, if Drake has dropped twice, if SZA has dropped. What does that mean for the first six months of next year? So the weekend has been like teasing something coming. Man, I'm so hot and cold on that guy. Go ahead. My thing with the weekend is I feel like he's starting to drop a little too frequently now. It's not so much as a consumer, <clears throat> I want to hear as much music from the weekend as possible. But as someone who also is a fan of extremely high quality music, and not to say that his last projects haven't been high quality, I know that you and I differ on that, but I would like you to take a little more time and keep pushing things uh, in the way that only he can do with his sound or give me the most high quality uh, project possible. Yeah, I think he's too good to to be dropping frequently if that means quality goes down. He is a top 10 at worst artist in the in the world. He's an A plus A list artist. Like he's a like multi, no, he is multi country superstar. Yeah. Nah, you did a Super Bowl show. Like yeah. once you get into Super Bowl territory, yeah. like you different now. Yeah. Uh I could potentially see a Tyler drop. He drops what every does he do every two years? I think yeah every two years. I think years. he gave us Igor. Igor is nineteen. And then twenty twenty one was Call Me If You Get Lost. Me if you get and lost. Flower Boy was twenty seventeen. So, yeah, he's got a decently consistent record at that point. Yeah. I, I, so, I guess we are we have the appetite for Tyler. Um, what other rapper have it? I mean, maybe maybe Cole drops, but you never know with that guy. You never know. Uh, Travis. There's no way we don't get a Travis record. Oh, yeah. Utopia. That's definitely coming in. Yeah. He'll probably he'll probably drop that, I, I would guess, late spring, early summer. He just seems like a type of guy that needs to have music out when there's when there's people out no i get you and obviously with the whole World thing went that happened probably trying to get a little bit of separation from that before he really drops out because i think one of the things with tyler or sorry not tyler travis is that the music he makes is really good in shows and Obviously, coming off of that event, it's going to be hard to, you know, market a show the way he used to. Like, it right. used to be, oh, this album is fire. I can't wait to hear this album in an arena with 50,000 other people that also want to hear this album at the same time as I do. Right. And I guess that's kind of the, I don't know how you just jump back into that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean... Yeah, so I'm 100% expecting Travis to drop. Maybe Don Tolliver? I could see Don Tolliver. He, he, he dropped a single recently, which I wasn't a fan of. But I think he's – the way I see his career uh, trajectory is that he's like an artist on the come up that he needs to have as much traction going. I think uh, – not this most recent album. What, the, what was the last one called? Heaven uh, or Hell? Heaven or Hell. Heaven or Hell was a great. That's my favorite of the two. The, the the next one, what was that called? With the black and red? Back, uh, I feel film. bad because I went to go see it in show too. It was good and it grew on me, but... I don't think it had as many... I hate to make everything... Life of a Dawn. Life of a Dawn, for sure. I think it was a little bit more personal and 
uh, into his life, but I think Heaven or Hell was like, here are these hits. Like, yeah, yeah. And, the, and he was hitting you with hit after hit after hit. He, You're like, whoa. He needs to, I think he needs another another album that kind of focuses more on like, what is, what is radio friendly? Because like, he's starting to become like the, I don't, I don't know what, what, space he occupies but he's starting start to become like the 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 ideal hook yeah see that's the thing i don't want him to become what i because i assumed that was going to be roddy like i thought roddy was going to be the one that everyone came to in this decade to like yo i need a rapper on the hook that can also be melodic let me go grab roddy real quick kind of what travis was the previous decade mm-hmm. And I didn't want Don Tolliver to just like fall into that where it's like, yo, we love you on hooks, but like when your album comes out, we don't really want to hear it. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, you don't want to oversaturate yourself to that point where like you're 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 being asked to do other people's sto- like stuff and then you do your own like we don't want you. So Would you argue T-Pain fell into that space? Maybe. T-Pain was also like 12 15 years ahead of his time. No, he was way ahead. T Pain would be uh, a heavy, uh, uh, a heavyweight artist right now. Because I'm thinking, like, I'm looking at T Pain albums, right? And uh, Rapper Turnt Singer is the one that we all, you know, love. It's I'm Sprung, I'm in Love with a Stripper. Like, those are the quintessential T Pain records that we think about. Uh, Epiphany was a really good one that we all. It's got Tipsy on it, uh, Bartender. Those are you know great records. After you get past that, how many like T Pain albums do you really listen to? Minding that Epiphany came out in two thousand seven, uh, Three Rings came out in two thousand nine, and I'm just like after that, I don't really know how many full length T Pain projects I actually listen to besides the first two. But I feel like kind of like we were saying, that may be a product of kind of giving everybody some of their best shit. Like, like I think you could, like, imagine taking an album called Featuring T-Pain and just putting all of those records together and how incredible it would be. Oh, God, yeah. Like, that's, he was the ideal feature. And then, I mean, that song, Can't Believe With Him and Lil Wayne, was like the best song. When I was in middle school, I said, this is the best song ever. And I kind of thought about it because I feel like Ty Dolla Sign was like one of the you know, people that got caught up in that. But, like, even if you look at featuring T-Pain, like, Go Hard, uh, Rick Ross is the Boss, I'm So Hood, uh, Shawty by Plies, Kiss Kiss by Chris Brown. Like, these are hit yeah. records. He had to pay a mortgage, bro, somehow. <laughs> Blame It by Jamie Foxx. Oh, classic. Baby Bash Cyclone. Classic. Got Money. Classic. That's a crazy record. All I Do Is Win, of course. Like is, are, is that the song he's probably most associated with? All I do is win. Uh, like I know it's not his song. I think bartender might be it. Really? You, yeah. You, do you think if you if you polled uh, ten people on the street? Ah, that's tough. Cause like the way all I do is win impacts sports. Is on like a whole nother level right. that bartender obviously can't reach. Because uh, the place where I used to work, every every Monday we had like this call, and there was a song that introduced that call. Yeah. Depending on the mood of the of, of the meeting. Yeah. And one one of it was one of the 
Mondays it was all I do is win. Because it was like after like wait, a big. Wait, wait. So y'all would just be like at home on the call listening to all I do is yeah. win. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No lie. And like I remember it got brought up at another meeting that we had like another town hall. And it was like I hope to the slaves like I hope the music wasn't as appropriate as that one meeting. Because like <laughs> it accidentally happened to be the unedited version. Or maybe it was oh, the edited version. But yeah. she, she heard the part where like uh, my hands go up and down like strippers booties, booties go. go. And that's yeah. just not a like, like to a to a mid- middle aged you know white woman that, that, that might be. That might not come across. Yeah. You yeah. might be mortified. So. Um, the reason why I asked though is like, like you said, it goes into the realm of sports, which then uh, goes into life, like the lives of people that don't normally seek out T-Pain's music. Where I think bartender, you have to be somewhat tapped in into the, into like R&B and rap. That's twice. That's two pods in a row. Um, or also you have to be in like a nightlife type of spot. Whereas all I do is when you can kind of play anywhere, like Sports is where you specifically hear it, but I mean, if you're just at like a like a pregame, like it could come on. Like I'm not gonna throw it on in a pregame, but like I could see it being put on depending on what kind of setting you're in. Whereas like bartender is the song that I would more than likely put on at a pregame, but again, in like general public, it probably doesn't resonate the same way. Right? I would I would prefer bartender. Can't believe it. Blame it. So I, I would prefer Blame a it as a song. Yeah, <laughs> like, like that—that—that that, that is like, oh, you play that around me. I'm like, depending oh. on how many drinks I have, I'm, I'm sliding. I'm having fun. Yeah, yeah. Trying to get in your bag. Trying to—that—that that is a song where I mean, come on, like that. We've all been there where it's like, oh, like I'm—I'm I'm getting too loose because I've had too much to drink. Like I'm—I'm I'm feeling like, come on, that—that's that, that, a bop. So, in preparation for our conversation about um, R&B albums, I put on Anti at work. And ironically, work came on, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Damn, why are my hips moving in in the office right now?" Yeah. So <laughs> I remember back in college, I was talking to two of my boys, and it was I think a year before I graduated, and we were talking about just the music that dropped in 2016, and I was like, "I don't care what you th- say about you know you know Rihanna or Drake or whatever. Like you think it's kind of whack that these." They're making this type of music, but like when that shit came on at a party and the girls got moving and you got moving because the girls got moving. Yeah, like, it was like, oh wait, no okay, something's this. happening. Like this is yeah. this is what it is. Yeah, like, like, like that, like that was just uh, you hear that baby. Yeah, I, I like you. Yeah, you hear work going on. It's like okay, like I, I, I am like you have to be a Grinch, someone so, who just yeah. hates who hates fun like, to you, not get up a little bit and dance. A little. You have to like. Make it a point that you're just gonna be like, no, I'm not gonna yeah. dance. To I this. hate this. No, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh wow, this is what y'all really listening to yeah. right now. <laughs> this is what y'all on? Yeah, I'm on that. Uh, I'm on that young nudie. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> blue cheese dressing. Yeah, yo, young nudie. Just, I swear, young nudie just makes a record and just finds like, yo, what's the wildest thing we could name yeah. this? <laughs> yeah, a, a record about shooting as many people as possible. I'm, 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 I'm gonna call this. Mac and cheese bites. <laughs> Armadillo knuckles. Yeah. Like, just the wildest shit in the world. So you want to talk about uh, ending things with women? Yeah, so that's one topic that I guess we've kind of had in the ether for the last, uh, you know, couple of pods. What, like, the, the feeling of, like, you're approaching, you're in a relationship or you're dating someone and you feel the end coming and either you attempt to end it or she ends it with you and kind of, what what the feelings are going like as you approach that moment? Do you believe in breaks? I've never been on a break. I don't necessarily believe in breaks. I think that's kind of unfair. 
I thought I believed in breaks until I took one. Like, oh, go ahead. Because my thought process in the relationship was, I don't know exactly how I feel. And if I get some space away from her, maybe I can find some clarity in, you know, that. And I think that logic is sound. But I think in hindsight, I kind of knew all along that, like, I was ready to move on to, like, the next part of my life. And that's why I'm saying, like, I kind of don't really believe in breaks. Like, if we're at the point where we have to spend time away from each other just to question if we still want to be together, maybe we should just not be together at that point. I agree. Like, and I... I don't know, like, the extent of how a break should or shouldn't work. If you're hanging out, like, four times or five times a week, and then all of a sudden, like, we just need, like, we're still together, where we're still going to be monogamous, but we just need, like, a week apart to, like, catch up on our own lives. Yeah. I think that's fair. Yeah. Like, to me, I don't really know if that's a break. Right. Right. But, like, if you're just saying, like, we need to maybe hang out a little bit less for us to, like, you know, reconnect with our friends or, you know, focus on work or whatever, that's fine. But, like, if you take, like, anything longer than, like, two weeks off like you're you're you're, you're, you're broken, you're broken up. up like we're just kind of delaying the inevitable at that point but what what i've always wanted is like because I, I we talked about this before i think i've hit the hinge scene harder than you and carlo have yeah. since i've moved here and i've had instances where i've taken girls on multiple dates and either sometimes it's been like all right this is i know this is trending in a direction where we're looking at a split or like I've initiated or the other person initiated and it's not fun having that conversation. But I think after a certain point it's owed. No, I agree. And owed in a more personal fashion. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I saw this one girl for a a period over like two, two and a half, three months. And it was clear that it was either we, we stayed together, we try to work it out and we still see each other or it's like, Hey, Maybe we should just go our separate ways. And we decided to split because she's a bit older and I wasn't... It was around this time last year with the holidays coming up and everything. I just wasn't ready to devote so much time that she wanted to her. Yeah. And I was like, all right, like, this stinks. You know, you're, I think you're cool. Like, there's nothing... This is not like a referendum on you, but maybe we... Sh- maybe you should pursue, you know... Someone that can get you yeah, that, that more one. so what you're looking for yeah. and at like, this time. Yeah, exactly. Maybe I should just focus on whatever the hell I got going on with my life. And then I, there's also a time where a girl and I have you know dated each other and she, you know I thought things were great. And then all of a sudden I reach out to her and she's like, you know what? I'm just not you know feeling this or like I need to focus on myself. And that kind of feels weird too. She's like, oh, I, like I'm like, this is abrupt. Like, no, I'm, that's a real tough one when... It's abrupt like that because you're like, yo, I thought things were good. Yeah. And like you were giving me reasons to believe things were good. Like we were in our normal, right? you know, interactions that we've been going on for the last two, three months. And now all of a sudden it's, you know, yeah, something different's happening. And then unfortunately your mind end up, ends up wandering at that point because it's like, all right, cool. What was this dramatic change that... Yeah, did I do something wrong? Yeah, yeah exactly. What was the ick? Like, did I do like, something? Was there another person involved? Was I, you know, just whatever it may be. And it's kind of tough because you don't want to let your mind wander because of, you know, it's dangerous just to be letting your mind wander on things that aren't necessarily true. You never want to assume. Yeah. Uh, have you ever broken up with someone in public? 
Yeah. So the meeting with that girl that I had, we went, we went somewhere, quote unquote, public. Yeah. To talk it out. Gotcha. Yeah. I've never been in that situation before. That's it was it was weird because I'm just not a fan of like having those serious conversations in front of other people just because like I don't want. There's serious conversations that I don't think people should eavesdrop on. Yeah, like, because especially in a breakup conversation, because what I may, like, my reasoning, or if she's angry with me, or even, like, I'm not going to act like I'm above being angry. If I'm angry with her, like, things can be said that may want to be retracted immediately. And if you're in a public yeah, space, like that could, scene. yeah, exactly. Like I'm not really trying to involve the entire ice cream shop in our breakup. Right. right. And like, I know people say like texting someone isn't, isn't like, you know, the, the right thing to do over a phone call, but maybe in 2022, that's better than being somewhere in public. I, if you're mature enough to like meet somewhere like kind of in private, mm-hmm. whether it's the, the other person's like, place or like somewhere that's like secluded from like mat like hundreds and thousands of people that's probably the best way to do it but i mean i i've i've seen mess like i've had those text messages maybe that is a better way of doing it in terms of like respecting the other person's how they handle their emotions yeah i um i i'm trying to think of my larger breakups throughout my life and most of them I tried to do in pub or in person, not in public, but I was met with resistance on that. Like I'll be like, Hey, like, what are you doing today? Can I come over around like seven? And we just like hang out and they'd be like, mm, things have been kind of rocky lately. Like, what do you want to talk about? And I'd be like, well, now I kind of got to tell you, like, I don't want to lie to you at that point. And yeah. be like, Oh, I just want to like see you and then get there and be like, nah, it's over. Like, like, no one wants to... That would be worse than just texting it. So, yeah. I've definitely texted through some breakups that I didn't intend to text through, but I was never really given the opportunity to break up in public. Or in person, sorry, not public. If you were in, like, in a relationship, like, months, like, six months or longer, you, you, you owe that person face-to-face time. Is there a... Let's say for something a little more casual, is there an amount of hookups where... You have to break that off in person. I don't know if it's the amount of hookups, but I think like, for example, situation with that with that one girl where we dated like three or four dates, and then she she told me over text when I reached out to her. I would have hoped that like over those connections, like we we knew that like I think you're cool, she thinks I was cool, like you're you're a good guy, you're a good girl, but like we just we're not that compatible. Yeah, at least you owe some explanation and like hopefully like there's some dialogue I, looking back on it i kind of feel like i might have been immature with how i responded because like she texted me and i like gave her the thumbs up oh <laughs> and it was just so petty because i was just so caught off guard yeah I, I just didn't want to be like a keyboard warrior and type out like a huge response yeah like, like here's hey. all of my feelings when yeah. you've already kind of made it clear that you don't care yeah so it's like, yeah like yeah. I, it went from like somewhat communication to agreeing to see each other to all of a sudden she was just like over it i'm like you know what i i I can be very very like i don't don't say over dramatic but i can just get like you know what cool it's abrupt you know thumbs up you know take care whatever like yeah and just that probably pissed her off which you know shit like that sucks looking back on it but i mean not to like this isn't meant to be a flex by any means but i don't think i've ever actually been broken up with 
in like something serious. Like I've definitely had women that I was, you know, getting to know or whatever in things with me and be like, hey, like I just don't want to do this anymore. But I don't think I've ever been like, oh, like I really like her and I'm, you know, moving in a direction towards a future with her and she breaks up with me. Like I've never experienced that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's definitely good. I mean, that part of it is probably... <laughs> another, another flex for Cam. It's not a flex. I mean, part of that is probably me being the one that was ending things. And, again, that sounds way, like, crazier than I'm yeah, meaning it to say. Cam's sound. dancing on my misery like, no, like, I can't relate. But, like, no, nah, I mean, I've definitely been... Because, like, for example, I may have, like, more dubs. Like, I may have been dubbed more times than, like, broken up with. No, I've 1,000% been dubbed more times than broken up with. And that, I feel like, has its own, like, impacts on ego and self-esteem or whatever it may be. But, yeah, I've never really had, like, a woman sit me down and be like, hey, this just isn't working for me. Here's the reasons why. Yeah. Yeah, I I mean, I get that. I mean, again, good for you. I mean, it it sounds like you, you were good enough at making personal connections where, like, they cling on and you know you have a legitimate connection it's you, just tough for me it's always been tough when i'm in the pursuit of that and it i feel like it gets cut off abruptly yeah and in the specific case of this one girl i'm thinking to myself like like not all dates are linear where the first the second dates better than the first the third is better than the second and you move in that direction but i was thinking to myself like oh like i would still like to see this girl and all of a sudden it's like record record player sure like, yeah that's what i'm like oh like that's that that's just tough to stomach and i don't want to like make it seem that no girls ever like fallen out of attraction with or fallen out of attraction with me or you know necessarily decided that she wasn't feeling me anymore i feel like that's happened to me many times i just think a lot of the women that i've dated or interacted with kind of felt that way and then decided I'm going to just let him end it so I don't have to necessarily be the bad guy. And then I end it, so technically I've never been broken up with, but there was definitely like emotional uh, disconnection at that point, and she was just kind of waiting for me to make the ultimate decision on that. The feedback I've gotten from the girls I've seen, it's like, you're not putting in any effort. I get the vibe that you're not into it. I've decided to move on. And like, they're accurate in that, in that, in, in reading that, but it's my sometimes my attention and my energy shifts to other other places and like it goes from like oh like in, in pursuit of this girl to work's getting tough to like hey maybe actually like a week just to like get back on track and for myself to work yeah. out five days a week like, did, yeah, like to eat inside yeah. and cook for myself yeah. instead of you know whatever the alternative and maybe be. i'm just a victim of like what it's like to date in 2022 using dating apps going from you know, stranger to, I mean, I don't want to say close, but like trying to have in pursuit of having those emotions for someone within a month. Yeah. Like that's, that's not easy. It's, it's hard to go from, we've never met to at the end of the month, someone says like, Oh, like I'm looking for something serious, but it's like, how can we look for something serious when it's only been a month? And love is, I always say like the Rick and Morty, but like, it's just familiarity over time. No, I get that. So, um, no, I do end up thinking that, uh, it's really hard to, like, if you look at it from an odds perspective, what's the likelihood of finding the person that you're supposed to be with at random? 
Yeah. Yeah. Like I think like, and it's not to say that it doesn't happen because it does happen. Like there's been many success relationships from dating apps or someone just like meeting someone at a bar one night and then, you know, things happen to work out. I would just think that it may be harder that way. Kind of just playing into what you were saying about, you know, relationships and dating in uh, terms of how it is in the current age with dating apps being one of the more primary ways to meet people. I've enjoyed meeting the handful of girls that I've deemed like like good girls, but there's also been some times where it's like, is it worth it? I think my we've talked about goals for next year. I, I don't want to stress resolutions, but like my best interactions with females this year have been organically through friend of a friend. Yeah, and it sucks because you you want to have the ability to meet as many girls as possible, but then you, you realize that not all intentions are pure. But, like, I've met girls through you. I've met girls through French and Back Home. Like, I've met girls through French and College where it's like, oh, like, it's nice that that network is still possible. And it's all about just putting yourself out there. Because, you know, we, you know, a lot of my friends, we present ourselves well. We're, we're all attractive, you know, males. So it's like, yeah, like, as long as you do that, you'll find the right person. But I don't know. It, it, it's, it's, it's tough when you have to go from in pursuit to back to square root, you know, square one. I agree. I think that network is not only important, but I agree that it may be the best ultimate way of doing that. Yeah. It's just because, honestly, chances are that if I introduce you to a girl and her and I are good friends, chances are there are some qualities that you and I share that her and I probably share yeah. as well. And she's just going to trust the fact that with my relationship with you, like, from the girl's perspective, I, I know Cam. I, I I trust his judgment. If he exactly. if he introduces me to a friend of his, he's probably going to be someone that's you know worth my time. Whereas first date, it's just is this person attractive? Is that is this prompt cool or whatever? Is she kind of yeah? Like, and then like is the the first date can be a complete crapshoot. Exactly. Like oh, do you like this type of beer? I like this type of beer. right. Whereas <laughs> like, like there's one girl that you just introduced me to that I think she's cool. If we if we were to go on a date, that pressure of like meeting him is gone, and we just yeah exactly. It's like if, oh, we both have this mutual person, and again, you guys already have more in common than you think you yeah. do at this point. It's also easier to like in that case if it were to happen, we could agree after the first date, no, we don't see anything, but we still hang out with each other and like and and um a big group. Like, yeah, exactly. And there's no pressure. Whereas like I I went on a on a hinge date. And we decided not to see each other. And I saw that girl out at a bar that we go to. I think I, I think it's programmed in my head. I think that's awkward. Yeah, it's like, all right, cool. It didn't work. I'm not really trying to kick it with you. Even though we may have had some cool things in common. Yeah. Like, I don't know if I'm necessarily... For some reason, there's like a mental block for friendship there. Yeah. I don't really know what it is, but I agree with you. It's there. Yeah. It's like, I, like, do, like in, in that case with social media, like, do I approach you? Do I wave? I, I I just like resort to no because that's the easiest. Like, just yeah. don't acknowledge that. Not because I don't think you're worthy of it, just because I don't want I don't want to get embarrassed by you having no response. I don't want any cold shoulder or vice versa. Like, it's just yeah. It's I don't want just, you to also kind of have those same thoughts that right. I'm having at the same time. It's best just leave that stone unturned and just go about having your night out with, yeah. with your group. So I don't know. It, it's 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 not easy navigating that world with with when you know that like it can end so quickly where it's like, Oh, two days can all of a sudden turn into nothing. So I don't know. Exactly. But yeah. I guess we can, uh, 
get into uh, the world of basketball if we have nothing else to speak about. Do you have any other topics pre-basketball? Not particularly. Um, I haven't been watching a lot of hoops lately. I mean, I feel like for me, when I say I haven't been watching a lot, because I watch way more than the average person, that's still a lot of basketball. But it's looking like the uh, the league is just weird right now. A lot of parody. Uh, I have no idea who's going to win the West. Absolutely no idea. No clue. I don't think any... Honestly, and I think whoever wins the West is probably going to get clobbered by the winner of the East. I think the Celtics are the, and the Bucks are the two best teams in the league. Yeah, I just don't think that there's any way either team can re- even remotely compete with either one. Of I them. do want to talk about, if we're going to revisit some of our predictions, I mentioned how the Brooklyn Nets... Yeah. Were, were 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 going to be a force that I, I was that looked like a t- terrible take two weeks and that's looking good now. They're eight and two in their last ten games. Now that they're healthy and Ben Simmons has his sea legs under him, like he's he looks a little better, yeah, for sure. Well, a lot better, rather. A lot better, but like he's not by by no means what I call him an all star or superstar. But like his job in that role is to get eighteen points, six rebounds. Seven assists. The average yeah. is that he's good. And I think a lot of that had a lot to do with who was actually surrounding him. Like, yeah, it's a lot easier to get those assists when you're passing the ball to, you know, TJ Warren and Joe Harris and Seth Curry who are on the perimeter or able to create for themselves yeah. versus trying to give it to Royce O'Neal and be like, yo, Royce O'Neal, do something. Or Nicholas Claxton, yo, he doesn't have the greatest touch, can't hit free throws. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't, your impact on the game is a lot less when you're that caliber of player that needs talented players around him or play finishers around him to actually make his job easier. And kind of the same thing for, you know, him scoring. It's a lot easier for Ben Simmons to score when you have to either commit to, uh, like, for example, KD and Kyrie are on the court, right? Mm -hmm. That's already two super dangerous scores. Now you add one of a Seth Curry or Joe Harris or Patty Mills, for example. Like, you add one of those dudes onto the court who's also a knockdown shooter, but can like, you know, create a little bit. The floor is a lot more spread. And, you know, now it's easier for Ben Simmons to just be in the post and maybe get a one-on-one look. Right. The The expectation there was that he's athletic enough. His handle's good enough. We're like one-on-one in space. He should be able, and he's big and strong enough that he should be able yeah. to get a quality look and finish exactly. that at a, at a rate enough where he can get in the high teens, maybe low 20s a game. Especially with the matchup problems that he causes due to his skill set and the size because like aside from maybe like the Raptors or Boston how many teams really have the size to put you know a Jason Tatum on KD and then also find someone of you know appropriate size and defensive capability to put on Kate or Kyrie and Ben Simmons. Yeah. Do, you, do you have enough size and foot speed with a guy that can that that's six ten? Yeah, like for if you're the Heat, right? You put Jimmy on KD and you put a your biggest player on or sorry, you put Jimmy on KD and you put a center on Nicholas Claxton. You gotta put a guard on Kyrie. So like who are you throwing 
Max Struess, uh, Gabe Vincent, Kyle Lowry. Like yeah. these are your options yeah. to put and, on Ben. And, and, like, yeah, and if, ba- if Bam is guarding that center, then you're kind of SOL. Yeah, exactly. Like, but at least like to your point with the Celtics, it's like, you know, they have Tatum, Grant Williams. Grant Williams isn't a great defender, but he's a big body. Grant Williams yeah. and Jalen Brown. He kind of has that very specific brand of defense where like you can put him on a Giannis in the post, and like of course it's still Giannis, but he's so big and strong that Giannis can't just move right. him. And that's that's ideally what you want with Ben Simmons. Like at least Ben isn't going to go straight and like straight to the rim over overpower you yeah. with, when Grant is there. The problem, though, is like like you said, like your best wing defender is going on KD. Yeah. Your best guard defender is going on uh, Kyrie. Kyrie. Now you have to be in a position where is this third defender quick enough to guard Ben Simmons, and is he strong enough? Like, yeah, like exactly. Ben, like that, that that was the part of Ben Simmons that always intrigued me because like in transition he's unstoppable, but like in the half court, if like if if he if he were to you know do one dribble head down. Go to the rim, like who's getting in front of that? Because his handle is really good, and with the with and the, his vision, yeah. So like, there was a lot of appeal there. Plus, with the fact that, I mean, Katie and Kyrie on the wings, Joe Harris, like he has a lot of help. So, I mean, it's cool to see that the Nets are at least not the dumpster fire that they were to start the season. Now, I'm I'm not forgiving anything that happened at the beginning. I think they do have a lot of, they're all kind of knuckleheads, and that this. It, it, it could turn for the worst at yeah, a certain at point. At any given moment. Right. You know. It, it's very combustible. But as we're watching some NBA TV right now, the Pelicans, they, they, they kind of look like a run they, right yeah. now. Uh, eight and two in their last 10. And 18 and nine overall tied for uh, the first spot in the West. That's nuts. And with a bunch of young players. With a bunch of young players. And I... Th- I think that's what I like about them so much. They kind of remind me of the Grizzlies last year, but I feel like they could go further than the Grizzlies did just because, well, one, the West is in a really shaky place right now. And two, they there's just something about that group. Actually, no. Maybe the better phrase, instead of the Wizard or the Grizzlies last year, the Celtics last year. Like, they're just in this zone where the team as a whole just looks, I mean, shit just looks fun. Like, oh, yeah. They look like they're having a good time. They look like they're out there really playing for each other. They have really good uh, floor balance. They have, you know, they're the only team in the league that's both top five in offense and defense. They have the right amount of vets and young players. Their young players aren't... Uh, their young players understand their role, mm-hmm. and they don't try to do too much. They have a really good coach that not only coaches well, but he's also a player's guy that they all believe in and like instills that belief in themselves. Or you know what I'm trying to say, right? And like it's just like the perfect concoction of like what yeah. you need out of a young team to exceed expectations. It's nuts how when that trade went down. I think we, we probably have talked about this. We thought the Lakers, you know. One, they got AD in his prime. Fuck all these picks, but yeah, they now they've they've gotten Zion, they've gotten Brandon Ingram, who's emerged to a star. They traded for CJ McCollum, um, and they have the Lakers' top pick, which is probably going to be an immediate impact player. Yeah, plus like Alvarado, good gritty guy. Yeah, Jonas Valanciunas, exactly. anchor in the post. Like Alvarado can like run a second unit. Yeah. He doesn't necessarily have to be a starting point guard. He's a... Because, like, realistically, if you look around the league, there's not a ton of great backup point guards. 
No. Like, I would argue Alvarado is like a top 10 backup guard in the league. Which is weird because, I mean. Maybe higher. You would think, like statistically speaking, given the amount of point, the good point guards in college basketball and just that being the position that's most likely occupied because due to the height restrictions, like if you're a point guard, like there, there, there are people that are point guards high, walking around Charlotte. There aren't people of that. You can't say the same for people who are centers. No, I agree. So you would think that there are just more point guards just in ready, readily available. So the fact that that's actually an issue makes you think that, you know, like what's going on. But, yeah, like they, they have a good roster. They're kind of deep. Um, they play well with each other. My only problem, though, is that, like, do they all have legit playoff experience? Like, are they going like, – when it comes time for them to be in the playoffs, will they fold? Yeah. That I remains mean, to be seen. And I feel like their, I mean, their most experienced player is probably Jonas Valanciunas. Yeah. And unfortunately, he just plays at a position for them where he can't make the level of impact that you would want your most experienced player to be able to make. Right. Like, if you have that as a wing player that's really dominant on the ball and they're able to, you know, get into their offense effortlessly, then, like, cool. That's what you want your most experienced player to be able to do. Unfortunately, with Jan, or with uh, Jonas, and again, great player, but just dependent on other people making the right plays, dependent on being in position for an offensive board or whatever it may be on that side of the ball. You can't just give Jonas the ball and say, hey, anybody in the league, go get us a bucket against. Right. Did you have any thoughts for or against Zion's dunk against the Suns last Saturday or last Friday? Uh, I liked it. I did too. I, I mean, I've understood the, I understand the whole, you don't do that type deal, but I get back on defense, bro. The game is still going. Yeah. And <laughs> I didn't watch that game. I listened to a podcast reference the situation and, uh-huh. uh, uh, from how that last like 20 seconds went, like the, the Suns try to score on the Pelicans when shot clock was turned off. So the Suns had their ability to like, Run the clock out too. Yeah, exactly. the game was decided. So then the guy said, "Hey, if you're gonna try to score on us, when when the shot clock's off and we have the opportunity, why like, not? Yeah. And also, you have to think that like these guys are part entertainers too. Yeah, exactly. Like, sure, you might not like that shit, but think of the kids under like you know 13 and under who from the rest of their lives get to say, "I saw Zion do this, do a windmill dunk." To literally beat the buzzer. Yeah, ex- and- yeah, yeah. And and if you're a starved New Orleans, you know, Pelican slash Hornets fan that, you know, was big on Zion, hasn't seen him play because he's been injured. And if you're Zion himself, just to give that moment, like, just, yeah, just, just to just fucking to, do it. Yo, just to flex, bro. Like, yeah. I'm like, him. That, 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 that was fun. I mean, that we, we all want to see Zion do that. And I think that's just kind of a cool way to see it go out. And honestly, from keeping it a stack, I... Do not like the Suns. I will watch them on TV because I think they have a lot of good basketball players, and the, the, I mean, I do enjoy like seeing how they work with each other. Yeah. But a team with Chris Paul, who's I think the dirtiest player in the league, or one of at uh, one of at worst, and washed. That on top of Devin Booker, who I like his game. If I could play like a player in the NBA, it'd be close, like closest to a guy like yeah, him. Yeah, that's the game I would want to have. But he is also very, you know. Doesn't show up when you need him. Like against Luca, he just gets cooked. And then yeah. the, the whole DeAndre Ayton, like it just seems like a, a, a the, the the story of a guy who just just does not want to be there. Yeah, it's weird with Booker because before they went to the finals, I would have never been like Booker's a diva. And since they've been to the finals, 
he just feels kind of diva-ish to me. And, like, I don't think that's the nature of who he is. Like, he, like, when you see him off the court or, like, they do, um, I guess, like, in-depth, like, interviews or, like, the video, like, visits with him or something like that. Like, he has, like, an old-school car collection. Yeah. He seems kind of like an old-school kind of guy, but on the court, man, he just seems like a diva. I wrestle back and forth. I've always told my friends back home, I don't know if I talked to you and Carl about this, if I, because Devin Booker was the same high school graduating class as myself. Yeah. Class 2014. I said to my friends, he has the trajectory of a high school basketball player that everyone dreams of in terms of top 20 recruit, five-star Goes to Kentucky, plays on a legendary Kentucky, like the yeah. the thirty eight and one. Like you think, yeah. like that was a loaded team. To go to the Suns, have the immediate success of what drop seventy, yeah. dates a supermodel superstar, emerges into a top twenty. Like it, it, it then it, gets it, another superstar to play with right. him. It feel like now we're yeah in the finals. This <laughs> it, it feels like from eighteen to the point now. Like he's it's it's. I mean, I don't know his life. I don't know what his downfalls are if he has yeah. any, but it feels pretty damn limited. Yeah, it's like trajectories through the roof. Yeah, so it's like damn, like that's 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 the path you kind of want to follow. But to your point, you see things like I never thought of him as a diva because he's mama mentality, that type of guy. But yeah. he, he date he dated Kendall Gender. He's you know close friends with Drake. You know he's, he he does a lot of things where it's like maybe. Maybe you are kind of enamored with that lifestyle, so I don't know. I mean, immensely talented guy. I think he's emerged to to. I think he's a legit uh, star, maybe even superstar in this league. But I think I put him in that radar with or, or that class with AD, where he needs another superstar with him. No, I agree with you. I think that, uh, like you said, Aiton doesn't feel like he wants to be there, and even on top of. Even if he did, Aiton to me doesn't feel like that player that can uh, take you to that next level. Like he's going to be a solid, he's a solid defender. He's a pretty good rebounder. He's a decent scorer. Like he's a good all around center. Like he would be a top 10 center in my opinion. But at the same time, he doesn't have any like next level ability that is like, okay, He's the best rebounder in the league. We can depend on that. Right. He's the best big man defender in the league. We can depend on that. Right. He's the best big man scorer. Like he doesn't have any one thing that he's just so good at. Exactly. Like it's it's either like with with book. It's like he'd be the he'd be a great one B to Giannis's one A. No, I agree. With he'd you. be a and if he's the one A, he'd be. You know, maybe AD could be, you know, the perfect one B to him. Yeah, like I could see, um, like to me, Booker does a lot of the same things that Chris Middleton does, who happens to be on the screen right now. But he does a lot of the things that Middleton does, but just at an elevated level. Right. I But I, yeah, exactly. I trust Devin Booker to get me a shot with, with late in the fourth, two minutes left in the playoff game. Not that I don't with Middleton, but I, I would trust Booker a little bit more. For uh, sure. What do you think about... Uh, this the, the like the Lakers. I, I know they've been. We always got to talk about them. We have to, bro. I mean, they're controversial is not necessarily the word I want to use, but they're just one. They're the biggest market in the league, but also they have uh one of the you know the biggest player of all time that is now. 
Fallen from Grace seems a little aggressive because, like, his reasoning is just age, right? It wasn't like he fell off or anything like that. And um, it's interesting because, like, they they win the games that they're supposed to win. Mm -hmm. And I don't think you can take that away from a team. But these two most recent losses are just kind of disheartening when you think about a team that you're hoping was making a turn for the best. Yeah. And then you have these two really bad losses back to back. It was Sixers, AD missed free throws, and who else? Uh, it was Celtics, also some free throw things. Yeah, so Celtics most recently than the Sixers. Because, yeah. like, Celtics were up 20, something like that, double-digit lead. They gave up that lead, and then the Lakers gave up their double-digit lead overtime. back. And then, yeah, like, that's just really disheartening, especially for a team with – Oh my god, that's a bucket and one? Ooh. A team with that many vets and that uh one, it's LeBron led. You have veterans in AD and Westbrook and it's like, damn, like Yeah. Given losing by giving up double digit leads is like you one have of the, to know how to close this game out. Yeah, exactly. Like we have too many players that are have the ability to close out games that we shouldn't have to deal with this. Right. Right. But I don't know, like I I, I want to think that they turn the corner, but if you're just going to feast on the league's worst, like that's only going to get you like what thirty games. Yeah, exactly. 30, like they'll be somewhere around five hundred, and you know we'll see where it goes from there. But, but I still don't believe they have the ability to really go deep into the playoffs or be a contender. But at the same time, I don't really have that faith in most teams in the West at this point. Like. I don't think the Clippers really have that ability until they can put together back-to-backs. Like, I think the days of being just skipping back-to-backs, like, I understand the notion of it, but I think the Clippers, one of their biggest downfalls has been is like, yo, we haven't played enough as a full healthy squad in the four years we've been together to really know what it's going to be like down the stretch. And that's why when it comes to down the stretch, like, shit falls apart. And that's like... All of a sudden, that goes from a bad luck issue to like a personnel issue. Like if you have, if if you have a group of workers that can't get on the same page after four years, albeit injuries or yeah. personalities, then that four group, that, that that group of workers shouldn't be together. While having a top ten coach in the league, yeah, it's like all right, Kawhi can't seem to get on the court. Like maybe we should explore options to trade him or yeah. or figure something out because like you just can't. Like you just you just can't live or die by by that excuse. I'm 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 not letting that fly. Like in a in a like in a realm where it is imperative for the GM to get a group of you know players together that that, that fit. Yeah. Especially in basketball, where like it's supposed to be cohesive. You play you play offense and defense together, and then like you are signing a contract to play 82 games. So your your goal is to play you know. 80% of the regular season and yeah, every exactly. single game of the postseason like that that's just kind of how it works and it's like if you're if you're always out due to injury we can't roll that dice over over you know four years yeah like you just can't keep going into season after season getting to the playoffs and being like oh well we only played 20 games together as a unit like you know what I'm saying like at a certain point that just can't be an excuse anymore yeah yeah so I mean, I've I've never believed in them because even when they were healthy in the bubble, like, like they, they still fumbled a three-one lead. Yeah, so I don't know. And we'll, like, I know we have a joke about like we joke about Doc and like that's a uh, damn. Uh, yeah, that's kind of crazy. 
Chris Middleton with the he been hanging around uh, Grace Allen too much. Yeah, it was like, nah, I'm giving you. <laughs> he been hanging around Grace Allen too much. Or do you think his step over? Do you think uh, Dylan Brooks's step over was enough to warrant him tripping him? Because like I, I personally feel if someone stepped over me in a basketball game, like I can't just let you step over me like that. But Dylan Brooks kind of had his hands up and was like, yo, I'm not really trying to like. Yeah, I mean, he, th- th- this was an intentional grab of the leg by middle. Yeah. Nah, this is on Middleton. Yeah. For once, Dylan Brooks looks like he was trying to like legitimately be in the right. Yeah. That's a first. Any other teams you want to talk about? The Raptors are trash. Okay, so uh, again, you know, opinions on this podcast are spawned by other opinions that we seek. You know, we're we're, we're content consuming human beings like yeah. everyone else is. What do you, I was listening to the Ringers NBA podcast? What do you think of the take being a, a Raptors fan? One of them mentioned that that not now, but in the future, they have to figure out if if Scotty Barnes and Pascal can actually play together. Uh, I don't disagree with that take at all. I think you have to. Figure it out because I think Scotty came in uh, as a wing player who was going to be a really good defensive anchor that had the ability to do everything. An elevated Draymond, in a sense. Like, a Draymond that could go get you more points. Essentially what his um, what his calling card was when he came into the league. And he had his Rookie of the Year season... He was, you know, he won Rookie of the Year. Things were great. And now he had those expectations of, okay, we know you can get 15, 5, and 5 on any given night. Mm -hmm. Let's see you go get us 20, right? Right. And they put those expectations on him, and I did too. Like, I thought he was very much capable of that. And maybe he is having a sophomore slump, but to me, it's been made very clear that if Siakam's going to be this 25 8 and 8 guy that is you know doing incredible things i don't think scotty can also perform at that level as well it was a lot easier when siakam was like yo i'm just out here to score and be the main focal point of our offense uh from a scoring and finishing side versus him actually facilitating everybody and it puts you in a weird place because scotty is much younger uh, Siakam's like 28 and you know Siakam doesn't at this current moment have the ability to elevate to the best player on a championship team so looking at a big picture who do you side with the young guy that you know is talented and can you know potentially elevate in the future or the older player who has less years to work with but is pretty close to a ceiling how old is Siakam? Uh, Siakam's 28. And he's not old by any means. Right, but it's like, you, you know, where you, you know, it, one, not, not, I don't say 100%, but you know, you're getting 95% of what you... Yeah, exactly. Of, yeah, like, of, there of, may be some things like, ooh, he becomes a little more efficient or his vision is a little bit cleaner, the handle or whatever, but yeah. you know you're not, you're not making a jump from... 24 25 points to like 30 like right it's over yeah. for that yeah and, and yeah and he's not he's not gonna go from how much is he averaging right now he is currently averaging 25 eight rebounds and seven point like eight assists. like you're not expecting like, like tw- yeah, you're not expecting like 25 and then he comes back next year like 12 dimes a game yeah exactly just, yeah. like you're not turning into chris paul yeah like. so i mean it's tough the, i've always thought the rappers 
they've I would say I don't want to say lucky is the right word. They've scouted like appropriately where like they've gotten a bunch of they've embraced the oh the the two guard, the three guard, and the four is kind of the same yeah, now. player, yeah. And it's actually beneficial in terms of both sides of the floor to have that type of person if you have multiple six seven, six eight, six nine, six ten players that can kind of switch. Um, so I, I mean, I, I think that's kudos on them for kind of getting ahead on that trend, but it, it's kind of bit them in the ass where like they just don't have enough shooting. Yeah, Vision Six Nine is like you said, it's really cool in theory, right? It's cool that when Damian Lillard has the ball at the top of the key and he's got OG on him, he calls up a screen from the big, and now you have Scotty or sorry, you have like Siakam on Dame who can. I'm not saying Siakam can just strap Dame down by any means, because nobody can. Yeah. But you have someone that can contest Dame, and then you still have someone strong like OG who can't necessarily guard a center for a whole game. But if you had to put him on a Nurkic for a couple of possessions, like, okay, that's cool. We can live with that. Yeah. And, like, that's cool in theory. Or, you you know, let's say you get Siakam on him. You're like, all right, cool. I don't want that matchup. Well, who do you go matchup-wise to? Because if you go over here, there's another 6'8 dude. Or there's another 6'9 dude over here. Yeah. And offensively, is or on the offensive boards, it's cool because, like, all right, there's no six foot outside of Fred there's no six foot six foot one six foot two player that's hindering you from getting offensive boards everyone that's crashing the board is six nine and like yeah lay uh that's nice but at the same time like you said the shooting one is not there and I think the Raptors as a whole are starting to uh come to the conclusion that while this was like a cool experiment and it's a way that we can play in spurts it can't be the main focus of a team if every single player doesn't have that definitive skill set of Siakam. Yeah, exactly. It's like at, at a certain point, it is nice to be positionless, but like there has to be a player that initiates the offense. There has to be a player that is a finisher around the rim. There has yeah. to be a player that can spread the floor and shoot the threes. And if, we're all, if they're all giving you the same service, like it's kind of like how we talked about with AAU basketball, kind of changing the. Ha- I think we may have talked about this. Yeah, yeah. It's a good AAU line because as a coach, it's like you know what? How about y'all niggas just go outside and just yeah run around and you know just be more athletic. Literally, than the team. yeah, just be better than everybody yeah. because you're gifted. Just go be more athletic because you're, you're bigger, stronger, faster. But in the NBA, we're like all these guys are super talented, and they simply just everyone's everyone at this point has played too much basketball to be out to be outsmarted or out athletic like out athlete like it's just like teams can negate that like you you can have you can have players who aren't as nearly as as athletic that can that can use their their you know headiness or their iq to um, get around that so i agree with you it's it's just something i wanted to bring up with you because i know you're a big raptors fan but yeah i just don't think it's gonna work and unfortunately looking around the league the targets of who's realistically available and who can improve this team aren't all there. Like, I think maybe if you made just a really large offer at the beginning of a season trying to get Shea, right? Like, if you gave, like, two young players plus a package of picks, like, maybe you could have gotten Shea within, like, the first week or two. At this point, dude's averaging, like, 30 points a game. Like, hitting clutch shots, literally putting this entire young team on his back. Like, you just, you're not prying him away now at this point. Yeah, He's too valuable to you know, 
trade for any package of Raptors picks because they're not really going to be high picks. No, they're not. Like if if you're going to trade for picks, I mean the Thunder have the most picks, but like, yeah, what other team that could could possibly? And I feel like they're kind of in the point of their rebuild where, yeah, we got a ton of picks, but like we can't draft all these players. And even if we do start trading picks away, like there's still a like there's just nothing they can do with all of those picks. Right. So adding more just pick trades into that isn't really It's it's the dilemma that the Warriors are kinda of go, going through right now with they got what, Wiseman, Moody, Wiggins, Kuminga. Kuminga. I guess they didn't draft Wiggins, but all the players that they have drafted, at a certain point, either you ship them out or you play them. Yeah, and no, I and, get that. And, and so far, they've done neither. Um, so, yeah. Um, yeah, and I'm trying to look, think of other teams. Like, Jakob Pertl has been the biggest in the rumor mill for us just because he is available from San Antonio, and um, we do have the assets to get him. But that asset is gonna realistically probably have to come at the cost of Gary Trent Jr. And with a team that's already so low on shooting, how do you justify trading You're- your second best shooter on the team for a center? And I, I think Yak is one of the better centers in the league. Like he plays incredible defense at the rim. He's an underrated passer. I Legit think anchor, really yeah. Yeah, he's a big, it's an anchor at the rim, sets great screens, and he can move the ball in the offense to make it flow efficiently, but already struggling with shooting. Like, you would have to get him and, like, Doug McDermott back. Now, like, if you get both of those, and it's like, okay, cool, now we can maybe try to, or, like, him and Josh Richardson. And, like, maybe at that point you can part ways with a Gary. Or if you wanted to look into... This is another one that's kind of floating around. Maybe not so much from us, but just fan theory-wise. Like some sort of package of OG for Miles and Buddy Healed. And then like OG plus whatever it would take. Like some swap of those pieces. Which I think would be cool because it's like, yeah, you may be giving up a depoy caliber defender on the wing. But you're also getting a rim protector that can shoot. Or stretch the floor, kind of like what we had in Marcus Gasol in the championship season. And then also you're getting Buddy Heald that can uh, either start over Gary or come off the bench and, you know, provide really good offense for a team that's struggling with both shooting and offense. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, I mean, I guess this is, this is like the beginning of like trade season, like December for the next, what, two two months. There's yeah. going to be a lot of teams re, re uh Reevaluating how like the, the construction of their team and seeing who they can get and who they can get rid of. So, I mean, the Lakers are obviously a big player. Raptors, Thunder. What do you think about um, the Lakers being interested in Jay Crowder? Didn't he say like he hated playing with LeBron? I mean, I could see that. I I don't know if it was so much he hated playing with LeBron, the person, or in Cleveland. Not so much the city, but like just the way that team was put together and like I I think I heard a quote saying like he hated he attributed his his uh, dip in three point percentage in Cleveland with like LeBron's passing gotcha which is funny because I was thinking about this LeBron has that reputation of like he he said himself this is probably you know a bit you know of you know 
arrogance coming from LeBron James, but like he's like LeBron has prided himself on, oh, you like shooting with the laces on your fingers? I got you. Like yeah. you like you like you like the ball right under your chin? Oh, I'll figure yeah, like, it out. I'm gonna put it exactly yeah, put where it, it needs and to like, be. I, honestly, I, I, I kinda believe LeBron in that regard where like, he probably like understands that. I he just he, LeBron is kind of has that feel for the game. I think he's also like a nerd. Like he's a nerd and like, yo, I see I watch film, so I know where Jay Crowder's hands are right. when it's time for him to catch the ball. Like well, I know his shooting pocket, where his pocket, how he likes it. Yeah. yeah it's, I, so I, I'll, I'll lean LeBron that one. But when Jay Crowder said that uh, he doesn't like like he like like LeBron's passes, I'm like, all right. So one of y'all got to be lying. Either LeBron isn't as good as what he says with his dimes, or yeah. Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder just is a bad shooter. Yeah. Like So I think I mean, Jay Crowder is a solid shooter. I think they have personality issues that may not be able to yeah I'd yeah like that. i can't i see both of them like i think jay crowder is kind of a fake tough guy and i think lebron is just kind of at an age where he's like yo i'm not trying to deal with that like um I like also, oh, go ahead, go ahead. I, I wouldn't be surprised if jay crowder thinks he's like not as good as lebron but like he's like I do. I can do everything this nigga does. Yeah. <laughs> Stop playing with me. Like, yeah, come on, bro. I'm still Jameson, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, like, oh, like you, you're six eight, and, and and you you can move and transition. Me too. Yeah. yeah like, like come on. Like, you ain't special. Yeah. I, you you think you can fly above the rim? Yeah, I can. Get they up just there. let you be a first option. If yeah. I was first option yeah. on my team, you gave like, me those shots and touches. You you put yeah. offense around me. I'm I'm MVP. I'm MVP him candy. too. Yeah. yeah. No, nah, I think Jay Crowder is one of them dudes that also just has no back down. Like, yeah, he just has no back down. He's a, I think he, he's a JUCO guy. Like he 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 played a couple years at junior college. Gotcha. So gotcha. If, if that is true, because I think he, him and Jimmy Butler were on the same Marquette team that were from junior colleges. Yeah, yeah. Those guys don't back down. Like, nah, it's ju- like yo, we was fighting. Like junior college is like from, and I've never experienced it firsthand, but from, from what I've heard. It's like your absolute last chance at making this basketball shit working out before you have to like work at McDonald's. Yeah, exactly. So, no, yeah. I can see that. And I mean, he's like regarded as one of the more like physical players in the league. So I feel like there's also that aspect of even if I even if I am in the wrong, I can't like pretend to not be. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I gotta be this dude because being this dude is what's paying my bills. Yeah, yeah. That, that persona is put on him. So, I mean, I I want the Lakers... I mean, I want them to get Bogdanovich. Bogdanovich. I want them to get Buddy Heald or someone. The thing about the Bogdanovich trade that pisses me off is like, that was the trade! Like, it was on the table from the jump. Like, they could have had Bogdanovich literally from the beginning of it all. And I mean, granted, they would have had to take Conley and Rudy Gay. And like, sure, maybe they didn't want Conley and Rudy Gay. But for what Bogdanovich is able to provide for a team, and like, yeah, you would have had to convince, you know, AD to potentially move to five or LeBron to move to one. And then what do you do with Mike Conley? Like, it came with its own problems as well. But damn, bro, like, to now turn around and want that same dude and have to give up the same picks that you were going to have to give up prior, it's just like, come on. I just have to like they don't want to get fleeced. Like, they don't want, the Lakers don't want to give up the, the, their two picks for it to not work out yeah. even further and even then just further. be completely SOL yeah. until like 2040. And I mean, I think it may be just at that point, unfortunately. Like, I don't necessarily wish that upon LeBron, but I think it may be at that point where it's just like, 
the way this team has been constructed, we got our W in 2020. That may be the only W that this team is capable of getting. Yeah, like you kind of hope that like LeBron does what he normally does, kind of looks around and be like, mm, I'm not rocking with the situation. Yeah, anymore. I'm exactly. Out. I'm going back to Cleveland for a year. Or, or I, I would love to see him in or, Cleveland right now. Yeah, I, I think I, I'm pretty sure we talked about this. Like, if you're Cleveland, like you're doing well without LeBron. Finally, you're just like, hey, you know what, LeBron? How about you just not? Yeah, because I mean, back in my life. My thing is with Cleveland, I don't know how. Like Donovan Mitchell is one of the best players in the league, along with Darius Garland, who's arguably a top five guard in the league. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of like, with what we have now, how do we even begin to? incorporate a LeBron who's able to do everything that LeBron is supposed to do while also having Donovan Mitchell be able to score 26 and Darius Garland averaging 20 and 10. Like those, none of that shit can happen at the same time. And the pieces they would have to give up, like Mobley's gone and that's a cornerstone dude right there. Like you're looking at for LeBron James, like you're looking at probably a Garland Mobley type. I just don't think it's worth it, man. Like, I it's love not. It. It's, like, it's, it's like don't like you, you finally put, like you have you had a house, you tore it down, you finally built it back up with the money you made from that from that one little run when you came back. Yeah. Like reap the benefits of this rebuild and move look like look towards the future. Like don't 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 fuck. ruin it. Yet. Yeah, and like I mean. Part of me thinks that LeBron's perfectly fine being in LA. I don't know where his son's gonna go, so like he's obviously gonna go where, where that is. But I do you also, think that's a real thing? Well, at first I did, but then like, a Bronny is probably gonna have to spend at least two years in college. Yeah, like I don't. I mean, off of cachet, like he could probably make a team, but. He wouldn't be – it's not like he's going to be able to start for an NBA team. Right. And you're asking yourself, like, pretty much you're saying, how high am I willing to draft Bronny if I know I'm, that gets me LeBron? Yeah. And top. on top of that, like, do I have a team that a LeBron at that point, 40, is going to be able to really assist with at that point? Like, yeah, cool, we get LeBron, but, like, we're not getting – 2018 LeBron. Like, we're not getting 2016 LeBron. We're getting 2024 LeBron James. And that nigga just old, bro. <laughs> like, like, it is what it is. Like, he's just not going to be able to carry on at that same pace. So, am I really going to waste, like, like you said, what first am I going to end up taking Bronny with, who's probably not going to be, if you do try to draft him that early? probably not going to be in the level of preparedness to be worth a top 10 pick or a top 15 pick at that point. Like that's something like you would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't draft Bronny higher than 10, 10 to 15. I'm that thought's entering my head, but I'm still like, ugh. like the books at Giannis at 13. And that's also assuming that another level of progression is made by Bronny. Yeah. Yeah, like that's assuming that this next year he plays very well and then his one year in college he also plays very you know what I'm saying? Like it's not just like him currently right now can just go top ten. Like that can't happen. No, and I'm of the belief that like people have said like, oh like Bronny's only ranked this high because of his follow. I think Bronny's legitimately a top sixty player in high school. Yeah. I think after thirty, the difference between thirty and a hundred is pretty minimal. Like there, gotcha. there, there are the top ten 
play like there there was a huge difference between Zion and and Kobe White. No, who, I who were like what twenty five spots in between yeah, each other? Exactly. There's not much difference between Kobe White and uh, you know whoever the 80th player was, other than the fact that Kobe White probably was just in a uh, a better system for the, in a better fit. Or even if we let's say we look past Kobe White ten spots further, whoever was you know thirty. 35th, I think Kobe White was the top 25. 35th between, 35 between 80. It's, it's probably just the similar type of good but not great player. Yeah, exactly. So, and I, and I think Brian's legitimate, like, he is a legitimate high division one basketball player that probably needs two or three years. As a UNC fan, would I like to see him at UNC? Sure, he's a 6'3, six, 6'4, tough, versatile, versatile guard. guard that kind of fits that type of, like, he fit the Roy Williams mold of two-way, you know, later, late Roy Gives Williams. Gives me a little Drew Holiday vibe. Well, yeah, Drew Holiday, but, like, do you remember Kenny Williams? Do you remember Anthony yeah. Harris? Like, he, he fits that mold. So, like, I think he's good enough to play at, you know, some Blue Bloods. But, I mean, is he a top 15 pick? Will he, I don't know, will he ever be one? Yeah. That's, that's a I, huge question. It's kind of, I think LeBron's spoken on this uh, a couple times. Kind of, I think he said something about wishing that maybe he didn't name him after him. Yeah, so just because, yeah. like, there's no way to live up to the expectations of LeBron James. Mm-hmm. But, and I, I get that, but there's also, like, regardless if his name was Michael, like, you still LeBron's son. Like, those expectations were going to be there either way. Yeah. But... I don't know. I just hate that his whole career is going to be defined based on his fathers. And he could come in and be, let's say, a Drew Holiday or like a Malcolm Brogdon, which is a great player that has had all-star caliber seasons and, you know, have played on the highest level of teams before. And it just no one cares because it's not LeBron. Yeah. Like that's that's tough just because you're never going to emerge to your own name. You are LeBron James Jr. Yeah, probably. I mean – no shade to the kid. He's, I think he's, he seems to be a great kid who has you know a bright future of him, regardless if he plays basketball or not. But like, the chances are you live live up to your dad, Zero. who is like, I mean, he might not be the greatest player ever, but he's probably the most physically gifted. Yeah, like, that, like that's just tough. I think I'm. Uh, I think I'm good. Did you want to delve into the topic of sizzle lyrics popping up on your timeline? Mm. Should, 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 should we give a couple thoughts on that? Some two cents? A couple thoughts on sizzle? I mean, it's just been my my one was watching stories just to see which SZA songs were getting posted. Because like, all right, F to F. All right. What are you really trying to say to me right now? Yeah. <laughs> like, you fucked them because you missed me? Like, all right, I can't really roll with that one. Because no. like, nah. But, like, if SOS is on there and, like, she's just, like, talking her shit to SOS, I'm like, I can live with that. Like, that's not too bad. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, I wonder if girls have that same feeling when we post Drake lyrics. And, it's, it's, and they're targeted. And then do they roll their eyes? Do they do they sigh? They definitely roll their eyes. Yeah. <laughs> I almost caught myself posting uh, a lyric earlier today. Uh, it wasn't even a Drake lyric. It was a Big Sean lyric. Um it was from Lucky Me, where it was like, my feelings don't mean shit to none of my goals, so I got to stay focused. And then I almost hit sin, and I was like, nah, like, I'm not trying to have this hit the wrong, like, because I was literally just thinking, like, I was at work, just like, yo, um, it's been a long week, and, like, I just, not so much didn't want to do it anymore, but I was like, I'm just burnt out right now. 
And I was like, nah, but that feeling doesn't matter. Like, I still got to, you know, keep pushing forward. Yeah. I was like, wait, what if this hits in a really unintended yeah. way? Like, someone, someone misinterprets them. Yeah. All of a sudden, I got a, I got a conversation on my yeah, hand. Exactly. That yeah. Well, I guess, I guess that's it for this edition. Uh, it was episode... This is uh, episode seven? six, five. We should probably be better at that. We'll also figure it out when it drops on official streaming platforms if we can just count, you know. Hey, everybody that's sending me requests for ads, I see y'all. I promise. I promise. Yeah, I'm yeah. working. You know, we, you know, all ads are welcome. If you want to throw us some gear to, to be promoted on the show, you know, if we're, uh, my, my loyalty can be bought. So Yeah, I take bribes. Yeah. <laughs> I will sell my soul for I'll, your ads. I'll be more than happy to, to give an advertisement if you're giving me something in exchange. And as usual, fuck Kanye. Yeah, peace. I'm on that. Yeah. <laughs>